0: The reality is we're a contract manufacturer at heart. Uh-huh. And what that means is, you know, when you go to a Whole Foods and you see all these different brands, um, that brand is really a marketing company. They're not a manufacturer. Yeah. They use yeah. companies like ours and we put their label on it and send it to them. So we're, we own a bunch of brands, True Nutrition and Paleo one of them, but we're also, you know, we're a contract manufacturer as well. So we definitely have a lot of information as it comes to, you know, the ins and outs Dietary supplements, health food, stuff like that. Um, we're also a bunch of nutritional geeks. Um, I I do have knowledge, you know. I I, I went to school for it. Um, however, I'm sure I probably have differing opinions from other people. There's like the, the real science part, and then there's like the active part, and sometimes they conflict a little bit. But.
1: Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of All About Fitness. On this episode, I have not one, but two guests for you. And before I get into the introduction, I just want to say a big thank you to listeners of All About Fitness. Recently, my book, Smarter Workouts, have reached above in the top 50. I'm very stoked about this. Smarter Workouts made top 50 on Amazon for fitness books. And frankly, I think that's because of you, listeners. Also, All About Fitness, has been, I've been getting new listeners every month. And I want to say thank you. If you've left a review, if you've left a rating, from the bottom of my heart, it means so much to me. You know how this works. I'm an independent content producer. Those ratings are gold. Ratings and reviews are what pushes the podcast up in the search rankings. If you like All About Fitness, if you listen to it regularly, please take a moment and give it a review and let other people know that you value this podcast. Now, in this episode, I've talked about this before. I get a lot, there, there are a couple different ways I get guests. One is I might read an article about something. That, that's how I got uh, the interview with the, with the doctor, the cardiologist who wrote The Haywire Heart. I wrote, read an article about that book and I was like, wow, that's a great topic. It's about how too much exercise is actually bad for the heart. And that was Dr. Mandrola and I had him on a few episodes ago. Another way that I get guests are personal friends of mine. People I know in the fitness industry who are doing really cool things. Like recently I interviewed Mike Cummings. Mike Cummings is head of development or head of business business development for for Implus. Plus owns Skills, Trigger Point, Harbinger, and a number of brands. Mike is a personal buddy of mine, and we're neighbors here in North County, San Diego. And I wanted to have Mike on the podcast for a while. Also, because Mike owns, besides working for a major company, Mike owns a couple of franchises at 45 Studio. So one way that I get guests is I read an article and I reach out and I try to get the, what, the person who the article is about or the book, the author of the book. That's the other thing. I'm working on getting a couple great book authors in for the podcast. Number two, the way I get guests is personal friends. People doing really interesting things in the fitness space. People I know through my, my work as a fitness educator and creating education content. Right now, I'm the main educator for Stairmaster and Nautilus. And we're finally getting that cranking again. This fall, I'm working on some killer education program for Nautilus and we be, we'll be promoting that. So, so check back on my Instagram page, Pete McCall underscore fitness, and I'll see some of the stuff I'm doing with Nautilus. Now, the third way that I get guests is PR companies reach out to me and they say, hey, would you be interested in having this guest on your show? Now, just so you know, I really value you as a listener. I really value your time as a listener. And I don't, I have some very strict standards for people I have as a guest. And I have no problem having somebody on try and promote something. Like recently, Chef Mariah Maria Ibrahim was on and she's promoting her book, Eat Like You Give a Fork. And number one, I always like to talk to a chef. And number two, I thought that was a killer title for a book. Now in this episode, I have two, I have two people, two, two guests, because Doug Smith is the founder and CEO of a couple of different companies. One is True Nutrition, a supplement company, and the other is Paleo Pro. It's another supplement company, but supplements for the paleo market. Now, I wrote back to the PR people and said, you know what? I really, I like Doug's story. He has a great background. He also happens to be a neighbor. I don't know him personally, but his business is located here in North County, San Diego. And I want to promote somebody who's as a local person who's doing some cool stuff. And reading up on his company's True Nutrition, I really liked what I read. And I really liked his philosophy. True Nutrition allows you to get personalized supplements. You can make your own protein mixes, which I thought was really cool. But I wrote back and said, you know what, I I don't want it to be just an infomercial about his products. Do you have an RD or an RDN? They're now called RDN, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Do you have an RDN that you can maybe put me in touch with who I could interview at the same time? Because I don't want to just talk about supplements. I want to have a credentialed person on who can talk about the role that supplements play in a well-balanced diet. And that's Jess Cording. Jess Cording is an RDN and a health coach. So on this episode, we have two guests. We have Doug Smith, who's the founder of True Nutrition and Paleo Pro. He really, he has a great story and, and he has some really good insights. And, and it's not, he has an undergrad degree in kinesiology. And I know, and, and look, there are people out there that know more than PhDs because they study the heck out of this stuff. But at, because I value you, my listener, I want to get people on here who are pure, who are qualified and can talk about it. And if I have somebody on to promote their company, I've no nothing wrong with that. But I want you to know that their product has a legitimate space in the market. When I had Mike on from Skills and Plus, that's because his products you can use at home. He has great products. He has strength training products, everything you can use at home. So there's a legitimate reason to have him on there. So when I interviewed Doug, when I I told the PR company, I was like, look, I I not only want to interview Doug, I want to interview a registered dietitian who can talk about the role of supplements. And that's what Jess does. Jess Cording is an RDN. She's also a health coach. Jess is also the author of the little book of Game Changers, How to Create Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety. So when I saw the title of that book, I knew immediately I wanted to have her on. Now before we get into the interview, here's a little thing. If you're looking for a great workout break during the week, on Wednesdays and Fridays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 noon Pacific, that's 3 p.m. Eastern and all times in between, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 noon Pacific, I am now teaching a 30-minute workout called Hit at Home. It's a live workout. You can find it on homeroomfit.com. There's a link down below in the show notes. Join me for workouts Wednesdays and Fridays. Hey, guys, we're coming into the, the most challenging time of year. We got, we got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of activities. Kids may be back in school part-time or maybe back in school full-time. And if you're looking for workout solutions, 30-minute Hit at Home. Wednesdays and Fridays join me for a great HIIT workout and if you want great information about how you can design your own workouts I have a new book out functional core training check my website pete go to my website pete sign up for my mailing list I'm going to send you a free chapter of my book smarter workouts I'm going to send you a free bodyweight workout and you'll be getting updates on all the information and content I have available that can help you stay fit And actually get strong and get fitter and not let the holiday year-end weight gain creep up on you this year in 2020. 2020 has been bad enough and we don't want to finish the year. I know I don't want to finish the year by getting that annual 6-10 to pound holiday weight gain that most people get in the States. So go to homeroomfit.com. Join me for workouts on Wednesdays and Fridays. Go to petemccallfitness.com. Sign up for my mailing list and you'll get all my information on how you can stay in shape throughout the holiday season. Now, with that behind us, let's get into a phenomenal conversation with Doug Smith, the founder of True Nutrition, and Jess Corden, an RD, a registered dietitian nutritionist, and the author of the little book of Game Changers, How to Create Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety. I'm Pete McCall. And on All About Fitness today, I'm actually speaking with two folks. I'm speaking with Jess Corden, who's a nutrition, or Sorry, Jess Cording. I should say that correctly, Jess. I apologize. I shortened it a little bit. I'm speaking with Jess, Cor- Jess Cording, who's a nutritionist, an RD nutritionist. How are you doing today, Jessica?
2: I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself?
1: I'm all right. And, and you go by Jess, correct?
2: Yeah, that's what everybody calls me.
1: Okay. I just have both written down in my notes. So, so apologize about that. And then we're also speaking with Doug Smith and Doug, if you can give just a little quick overview of what you do, because I think uh, I'm looking forward to having this conversation and finding out a little bit more about, about what your background is. Yeah. So I'm uh, owner co-founder of a few different dietary supplement
0: and health food companies, um, true nutrition and, and paleo pro and uh, started them close to 20 years ago. And, um, for various different reasons, which I'm
1: sure we can get into, but, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my background. Cool. So today all about fitness is really going to be all about, uh, all about nutrition, which I I'm looking forward to, because I know that's a subject I know I always need a little bit of assistance with, but just so you guys know, I'm one of the few personal trainers out there who really doesn't make appearance a, a priority of exercise. My approach is to make, make exercise more about how we feel and about our performance levels so just give you give you a little bit of background it's not all about six-pack abs for me hmm. yeah so it's a little little different approach so jessica what i want to do is start start with you lately we've been going through obviously 2020 has been a rather chaotic year i think to say the least for a variety of reasons and when looking at it why what nutrition what role does nutrition play in helping manage stress oh
2: my goodness it's huge you know, I. I remember being fascinated by the food mood connection before we even really had a term for it. So, from a very basic standpoint, you know, one of the biggest ways that nutrition can contribute to how we manage stress is through our blood sugar management. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of eating like a donut or a piece of uh, you know white toast with you know jelly or something for breakfast, and feeling or feeling miserable half an hour later, an hour later, you know, like you want to lie down, like you couldn't think clearly, and also hungry again. Um, you know, maybe we call it hanger, which, you know, hungry and angry. Well, what happens is when we eat carbohydrates on an empty stomach or without anything else to slow the breakdown of the starches in that food, you know, we get a really sharp uh, blood sugar spike followed by a very steep crash, which leads to, you know, mood problems, energy crashes. It even has a an impact on our hormone function and spe- specifically hormones that deal with our stress response. So, ideally, you want to make sure that you're having foods, you know, meals, snacks that provide a combination of carbs, uh, especially complex carbs with fiber that digest more slowly, along with protein and fat, which also help buffer the breakdown of the meal that you're eating and help you have a more stable. Blood sugar level throughout the course of the day, so you're going to be more alert, more focused, have a more steady mood, and just have an all-around better experience. So that way, when stress does come up, you're equipped to handle it. And what would be more, some yeah. of
1: the uh, well, no, it, what would be some of the foods that you would recommend? I mean, you say high starch, high fiber. If, if people are listening, and they go, okay, I know that I sometimes have a poor choice in the morning. Cause I'm sure a lot of people out there might just have that piece of toast with something smeared on top of it to use a local term for you, um, they might have a piece of toast with something on top of it. What what could be a different option? What would be some some good high fiber options that people could do to kind of satiate some of those feelings?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I'm a savory breakfast person, so that's where my head always goes. You know, one of the top breakfasts I recommend for stress management is... Eggs, because aside from having protein and fat, they also contain choline, which is an essential nutrient that has a really big impact on our cognitive function. Um, they also have omega three fatty acids, which are really important for offsetting the effects of stress hormone hormone cortisol. Um, but then pairing that with you know some kind of complex carbohydrate, maybe roasted sweet potato if that's something that you make during a weekly meal prep, or whole grain toast if you want something a little quicker. Um, and then some kind of green veggies if you if um, you know whether it 's like zapping some spinach in the microwave or making a quick omelette um, that 's another way to work in more fiber, more important nutrients, or if you 're more of a, a sweet breakfast person, you know you could try something like you know whole grain um, like oatmeal is a really cost effective easy option. Incorporating some ground flax or maybe some chia seeds in there for more fiber and omega 3s, and then some kind of protein, whether that's uh, you know, throwing an egg or egg whites in your oatmeal, protein powder, a spoonful of nut or seed butter, and then working in some antioxidant rich foods like berries. Um, there's so much research on the antioxidants in berries, like blueberries, for example, and how they can help offset cell damage caused by stress. So, those are some of the top breakfast foods I would recommend.
1: Well, just just for a little comment, you've kind of hit all my major food groups right there, including donuts, so I'll be completely honest, <laughs> honest about that um, but one of the things that, one of the reasons why I want to have you two on together is because Doug, your company makes a lot of these products, your company, true nutrition makes protein, and it also makes oatmeal oatmeal as well, correct correct.
0: We do. We uh yeah, we uh, the 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 key to true nutrition is we're you know, I started it almost twenty years ago on the on the backbone of I was I used dietary supplement. Um I really understood nutrition and the issue I had is that a lot of the key ingredients and in a lot of the products I was using were great, but it also came with a lot of stuff I didn't want. And you know, the key to true nutrition was it was kind of for the geeks out there to be able to mix and match and have exactly how they would want it sweetened, how they want it flavored, um, what percentage of proteins they want, and obviously that's expanded into um, different other macros. You know, from carbohydrates to fats to you know nutraceuticals, like you know any dietary supplement. So yeah, that's
1: primarily what we do. And I think, see, I think that's great. And I, I, I do think supplements can play an important role. And just what about you? For for listeners out there that they think, oh my goodness, I'm so busy. I understand I need to have something for breakfast. Can, can supplements, could something like a, a nutrition shake from True Nutrition, could that be an effective way to get the day started? And what would people want to look for if they're looking for that type of addition to their diet?
2: That's a great question. And I typically recommend... Using supplements as a way to address gaps in the diet. So some people need them, some people don't. It really depends on, you know, people need different supplements from maybe their best friend or their partner or their sibling. You know, it's very individual. But um, I would, I definitely think that supplements for somebody who. Lacks consistency in their their schedule, or their you know they have a hard time meeting their needs through food most of the time. I think that a supplement can be very effective. So just to work with our idea of a we're talking about breakfast, you know, an energizing breakfast. If somebody has minimal time in the morning, then absolutely, you know, a supplement, whether that is a meal replacement shake or a product like the True Nutrition um, oatmeal blends, that um, you know, some kind of. A uh, food or a supplement product that provides the combination of protein, fat, and carbohydrate and fiber that they need to get their day started is going to serve them well.
1: And would that be better? Now, let me ask you this question because one of the things I want to—I always enjoy asking people that, who know a lot more about nutrition than me, which is almost anybody with a nutrition credential. But one that, when you look at some of the trends right now, you have trends like keto, you have trends like paleo, intermittent fasting. What are some of your, as an, as an RDN, and first real quick before I have you talk about the trends, can you talk a little bit about what goes into the education for an RD, Jess? I just want listeners to understand that there's a difference between somebody saying, yes, I know about nutrition, and somebody having that RD or RDN credential as it's now known.
2: Uh, I wish more people would ask this question because, yeah, there is a difference. Um, you know, as, a, as an RDN, which is a registered dietitian nutritionist, there is, um, you know, you have to take a certain amount of college level coursework that prepares you for a an internship. You know, I did a very clinical internship with um, almost a year worth of working in the hospital through all different rotations and every, but every person who wants to sit for the licensing exam to become a registered dietitian does have to do some kind of accredited internship. And then beyond that, if you want to do a specialty, you know, there's often master's level tracks, there's PhD programs, but the very basic level is that with to become a registered dietitian nutritionist, you do have to do the required coursework and the internship and then sit for a licensing exam. Um, you know, I'm also a health coach. You know, I did my my health coach training through um, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and that was a program that was a little bit less than a year. And it was a it's been a wonderful complement to my work as a dietitian because it filled in some of the blanks with um, counseling and coaching training that I really was craving that I didn't get in my very clinical program. But it is by no means um, you know, the same in terms of the, uh, dietitian education, because of course, you know, you guys were on a podcast so you can't see all the gray hairs I got from, you know, (laughs) biochemistry and (laughs) organic chem lab and all that stuff. So it's, um, the dietitian training, it's, it's very specific and you go very, very deep into the science of nutrition and the application of that science.
1: And now Doug, you, your background is you are, I mean, I, I, if if I remember correctly for, in looking at my notes, you have an undergrad in kinesiology, correct? Do um, yeah, I have an undergrad in kinesiology from uh, Penn State, and
0: you know the reality is I think it's different. Um, kinesiology was only a few years old as a degree, you know, when I first signed up for it, and the truth is it was more of a, a biology chemistry degree, and you could kind of take it in three different directions. So my background is really. Um, I really love the science of it um the science of movement so I do understand you know how uh things interact and how things work together and um ultimately um I guess I kind of use it still to this day but my interest really lied in um when you consume something or when you move your arm what happens biologically to it that was uh I guess the geek in me that was interested
1: yeah, so when you look, and that, that's kind of my background. My background is more of biomechanics, understanding how movement affects it. And I've had to learn a little bit of nutrition along the way. And Jess, a little bit earlier, you mentioned the influence of nutrition on hormones. Why should we pay attention to that? What, how does new nutrition really influence? Because I, I really think that a lot of fitness consumers out there, and, and Doug, I'll have you weigh on this as well, is, is what, your, what you do with, with your supplements to kind of address this. Because I really do think that a lot of consumers out there don't realize that everything they do in the gym, every exercise they do, every, every time they sit down to eat a meal, is really influencing the chemical change within the body. So can you talk a little bit about some of the hormones that are really involved with kind of managing the nutrition and what people should be paying attention to?
2: So that's, you know, that's a very broad topic because there are thousands of different hormones and you know, sending signals throughout our body. All day, every day, even when we're sleeping, some of those signals are things that are helpful. Some are not so helpful. But because we started off talking with, about cortisol, you know, let's start with that. You know, cortisol is a hormone produced in response to stress, and I mean it serves a, a functional purpose. You know, like if you need that um, that adrenaline and that surge of cortisol to like outrun a bear, you know, that's trying to eat you. Like that's useful. Um, but if you are, you know. Stressed out, have a more like a, a chronic low grade stress, but still having that stress response on a cellular level, and cortisol is being released. You know that's when you're going to see things like inflammation and sleep sleep issues, weight changes. You know um, redistrib- uh, redistribution of the fat tissue. You know a lot of people find that when their cortisol levels are elevated, they'll notice they accumulate fat around the middle because the hormones are sending signals to your fat cells to store there and. Um, and that's just one, one example. Um, I could go on and on and on, but. Um... Well,
1: and I guess, and you're right. I, that, that, that was a huge question because there are hormones that control everything. Mm-hmm. In my mind, when I think of exercise, I think of primarily like cortisol growth hormone, mechano growth factors or insulin like growth factor. I know they're both called the same thing. And obviously the big one that guys like Doug and myself are probably concerned with and that's testosterone. And, and so with that real quick, I want to flip it to you, Doug. What role does, do supplements play in supporting like an anabolic response to training when we, when we look at exercise? And what I mean by that is can, can supplements help the body produce more of its own natural testosterone and growth hormone to help with, with the post-exercise repair process? Yeah, of course. Um, But I think similar to kind of what was stated earlier,
0: and this probably isn't the best for sales, but um, the the key term to supplement is a supplement to a good diet. And the reality is majority of people do not need dietary supplements to lead a really good, healthy life. Um, But we are smart species. We do understand things. We've done tests and we understand how we can utilize all these different ingredients from herbs to different, um, you know, manipulations of macronutrients to be able to, um, have some desired outcome. And then obviously somebody who trains, let's just say a male, like you just referred to of wanting to heighten their testosterone amounts. The majority of that needs to be done through healthy lifestyle. I know that's not the easy answer, but there is that last 5 to 10% that, yeah, of course, there's many ingredients out there that can um, create a better uh, environment for your body to produce its own testosterone more than it would before.
1: And and, I think that's important. And testosterone is an important factor. And and what I really try to do with this, with this podcast is really try to speak to, I'm 48 years old. So I try to speak to other, other fitness enthusiasts like myself and my age range, who, as we get older, we still enjoy the activity, but I mean, come on, we're both in Southern California. We don't want to slow down, right? You still want (laughs) to be as active as possible. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think the key to it really is, um, you know, especially from
0: a testosterone standpoint, it's. It's crucial to males, but it's also crucial to females as well. Um, It should be heightened, but it just needs to be heightened to a certain point that is actually, um, it doesn't cause any ill effects. And I think that's something that people miss is that the typical American way is that, well, if a little bit's good, a ton's going to be way better. And sometimes it's it's the middle ground that really is the importance. Like too little, it's like water. If you have too little water, you die. If you have too much water, you die. and It's the same thing here. So I think as you know, males get older, um, testosterone naturally starts to level off when you're 18, especially if you lead an unhealthy lifestyle, um, exercise in its own regardless of diet will actually increase testosterone not immediately but after effects it will so yeah of course
1: and and, and to throw that question to you jess what what type of dietary when, when we look at the diet like i know there are certain things i could eat and you've referenced them a little bit like eggs and, and hope and and good sources of protein i know there are certain things that, that we can eat that help promote the anabolic hormones like test not only testosterone but growth hormone what what can people be doing with their diet with their natural food choices that could help create a more anabolic or more growth environment to support their exercise programs
2: yeah yeah that will be the individual depending on if they have other health conditions or any you know other things going on to be mindful of but generally speaking you do want to make sure that you're having adequate protein um, you know there's there's different research looking at um, you know, how plant proteins might factor in there to, you know, usually, for example, if somebody is looking to meet their needs through just plant proteins, they might need to have more, you know, grams of protein in order to cover more bases. Whereas if you're eating complete proteins that provide all of the essential amino acids, you may not need to um, have quite as many grams, but it really just comes down to adequate protein. But knowing that, um, you know, our body can really only... Um, process, like about max 30 or so grams in a sitting. So having all of your protein needs in one meal is not really going to serve you that well. You do really need to spread it out through the day. So that way you're supplying a consistent amount for your body to work with.
1: And I love the way you just said that, because I really do think a lot of people out there and Doug, this, this this brings up what you just said. I mean, our, our Ameri- I don't know if it's an American thing. I don't know if it's a male thing. I don't know what it is, but there's always that idea of, hey, if a little bit is good, more is better. And I definitely know that comes to, comes into play when people look at supplements. So can you talk just a little bit, Jess, about what some of the guidelines are for taking protein and, I, and between between people who are relatively, let's call it moderately active and people who might be training for marathons or triathlons between active athletes what are the protein needs when it comes down to looking at grams per per pound of body weight or per kilogram of body weight
2: yeah so (laughs) thank you for giving me the the option to use per kilogram because that's just my training um so yeah so most you know generally healthy adults you, typical recommendations are 0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram but yes for an at you know if someone's got an injury they're healing from or someone is very active you're going to start to bump it up so maybe more like 1.0 to 1.2 grams and you know even a little bit upwards of that depending on the sport how you know the duration the frequency um, and there might also be differences for example like during training during off season Um, and different, you know, so if somebody is doing a lot more of, for example, like weight, weight bearing exercise, you know, heavy lifting, for example, they are going to typically need a little bit more protein than someone who might be primarily doing cardio. But, um, but again, you know, the best, um, you know, I, I would also just pay attention though, to, you know, how well you feel you recover from your workouts, And if you're kind of just getting a feel of what the right amount of protein is for you, I do encourage experimenting and just paying attention to how your body feels, um, what kind of results you're seeing in terms of changes in body composition. (laughs) I have not had enough coffee today, you know. But if you're if you're paying attention to things such as muscle and fat percentage, um, or if you are just noticing, you know, um, how well you recover, you know, those can all be good guidelines as to whether you're. Meeting your protein needs,
1: and I think recovery is key because I don't think people really consider that enough. Now, real quick, before I shift back and, and throw something at you, Doug, can you real quick just go over some of the carbohydrate recommendation? We'll just go through all you mentioned protein, but what about carbohydrate and fat? What are some of the recommended dosages? Because I do believe that even though we've kind of moved beyond this, I still think there are people stuck in this mindset that I don't want to eat carbohydrate or I don't want to eat fat, you know, because for whatever reason, they just have this mindset that it's bad for them. Number one, what are some of the roles of carbohydrate and fats? And and then number two, what are some of the suggested serving guidelines?
2: Yeah, we're in an interesting place right now. You know, I feel like we go in these cycles in the media where, you know, different macronutrients are demonized and they all take turns. And right now we're in a cycle where carbohydrates are, you know, the mainstream is fearful of carbs. And, you know, I, I really, I do believe that there are people that thrive on diets that are lower in carbohydrate, maybe higher in fat, and that there are people who thrive on diets that might be a little higher in carbohydrate. I will say for, for athletes, you know, you do tend to need a little bit more carbs just because your body needs more energy and glucose, which is derived from carbohydrate is our body's preferred source of energy. Yes, your body can make energy from say like, you know, ketone bodies for example, you know, using fat to make energy. But what's inconvenient about that is that fat, you know, it does take a long time to digest. So sometimes if you if, if it's not comfortable to have a really high fat meal right before a sporting event or right before training because you're going to be moving and that fat like that meal is going to be kind of sitting there. Um, but yes, you you do typically need a uh, carbohydrate to fuel, not just fuel your workouts, but also to promote recovery. So, you know, one, and again, there's a lot of variation depending on the sport, depending on the individual, but, you know, typically if you're going to be working out within like a half hour, you know, you want to have a serving, about 15 grams of carbohydrate is a typical recommendation you'll see. And, um, you know, if it's going to be a little bit longer until your workout, if it's going to be a little bit more of an intense workout or event, then yes, you might want to incorporate some protein in there. But um, you know, recovery. I've seen recommendations anywhere from like a three to one protein to carb ratio to a two to one. Um, but it, it, it does really depend on the sport and the individual. I really encourage my clients not to overthink it. To really pay attention to what foods make them feel you know, feel best and perform best. But, you know, some of my um, preferred sources of carbohydrates that I tend to recommend are things like, um, like sweet potato. That's a really good one. Um, You know, bananas get a lot of, they get a bad reputation, but they can be really, um, for an athlete, they can be really great because aside from providing some easy to digest carbohydrate, they're also rich in potassium and magnesium, which can help soothe muscle cramps. Uh, A few really good fat sources are things like nut butters, seed butters, if you're allergic to nuts, avocado, olive oil, which is one of my, you know, it's not just because I'm Italian, but I do love olive oil because it's really rich in monounsaturated fatty acids, which are very heart healthy. Um, Avocado oil is a great alternative to olive oil um, if you don't like the taste or you just want a neutral flavor. And it's also very high in the monounsaturated fatty acids. Um, And that's just to name a few. You know, you also want to cover your bases with omega-3 fatty acids to help, again, offset inflammation. There's been a lot of research looking at how the omega-3 fatty acids, specifically those found richly in fish, um, like salmon, tuna, sardines, mackerel, all that oily stuff, you know, that's also been shown in many studies to help offset the effects of cortisol. So making sure you're incorporating omega-3s into your regular day-to-day can be really helpful. If you don't eat fish, you know there are a few plant sources like walnuts, uh, ground flax seeds, chia seeds. So you do have some options, but you might need to eat more of it than if you were consuming the fish or animal-based
1: Well, and and I appreciate that because then what I want to do, Doug, is ask you this question is knowing that and with Doug, sorry, with just having gone through some of the sources, how do you take that information with the supplements that you produce? Because you mentioned you started your company because so many supplements have filler in there. They're just unnecessary. So what do you, how do you source? I I guess that might not be the right question, but when you look at designing supplements, what are your key, kind of your key go-tos? What are you really trying to provide with, with the products that you put out there?
0: Well, the first is really um, the basis of what do people want? Um, you know, my opinions on what is good for me and what my belief system are, um, are very different than, than other people. And kind of what Jess was saying, you really need to experiment and see what's, what's good for you. Most people want like a one size fits all. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. So for us, it's really about, um, you know, the priority of demand. What, what is demanded right now? That's the first step. And then the second step is obviously is the source sustainable? Um, Is it high quality? You know, is it garbage? There's a big difference between pea protein isolate from here and pea protein isolate from there. So, those are kind of the key aspects of um, how we begin to source something. But there is some times where, you know, myself and my partner will have a belief system in something and it may not be popular yet, but it's something we offer. And then we kind of outwardly promote and say, Hey, here's the reason why you should use that. So those are kind of the two prongs that we kind of take, you know, the reality is with what we're selling, especially at true nutrition, or even paleo pro for that matter. Um, when we buy these raw materials, they're not purchased as dietary supplements. They're purchased as food products. You know, most of these ingredients are made in cheese making or bread making or other things. We're just, labeling it as a dietary supplement. And that's the truth. You know, it's processed to some point to make it into a powdered product. Um, but the reality is when you cook food, you're processing it as well. So, you know, the reality is there's, there's kind of a fine blend of, um, how we find stuff. There are some nutraceuticals we'll buy, like, you know, creatine for example, but you know, creatine's is supernatural in red meat. There's a high amount of it. So although it's extracted out, and you can buy it in a monohydrate form where it's, it's kind of extracted and singular, um, there's still almost food components of real food, if that makes sense.
1: Well, totally. And I'm looking, I'm, I have your website up and I'm taking a look at it. And the question I have, because I know this is something, and, and Jess, you mentioned this, I know this is something, a vitamin that I take on a regular basis, and that's omega-3 fish oils. With, what, is, what is the benefit of that? I mean, if you could talk, I guess, you mentioned that a little bit, Jess, about the need for the fatty acid. But is that a, a big-selling product for you, Doug? Is that something that, that people are, are taking? And, and what's the benefit of a fish oil supplement?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big seller of ours. Um, I think the issue we have, at least in the United States or what you see in first-world countries, is that there is a mixed match of omega-6 to omega-3 ratios of what people consume. Um, there's a lot of vegetable and seed oils that are basically in everything that we consume these days. Unfortunately, you know, I always tell people, what diet should I eat? I'm like, no diet, just don't go in the middle of the grocery store, just (laughs) just stay on the outer rim. And at that point, you make the decision on your own. I know that's kind of haphazard, but what I've learned with people, and Jess, you could probably relate, um, people don't want to listen and they get caught in their own ways, so you kind of have to let them figure it out on their own. But dealing with omega-3s, especially the stuff that's derived from fish and uh, isn't derived from, let's just say, seed oils. Like, I mean, various different items have omega-3s in it. But with fish oils, um, and it's key also to get fish oils that come from smaller fish, um, most of the fish oil product that's out there is derived from larger fish that usually swim around in China, and they lead a long life. However, the longer life they lead... They swim around in more toxic waters, and you have heavy metals. And the standards the FDA makes for testing heavy metals is pretty haphazard. So Soprota can still have heavy metals in it, and it's still okay to sell, unfortunately. The majority of the fish oil we're getting is coming out of um, Peru, small fisheries, small fish. Um, they lead a small life. Bad for them. Good for us. But, yeah, I think the reason why it's big for us is really to offset the ratios that people are consuming high amounts of omega-6s and minimal omega-3s, unfortunately. So that's, that's why it's a popular product. I mean, if you look at omega-3s in Google, it's, um, it's pretty apparent what people are kind of, it's gotten so popular.
1: Well, and one of the things that's important, I mean, to come back to that conversation earlier about like testosterone is my understanding is the healthy fats are an important the high dl the hdl the high dl the hdl cholesterol is actually an important component of testosterone so we need this type of we need these yep. type of fats in our diet to support other things that we want to be able to do now just to, to throw a question at you cuz i always this is an area where I still try to get a little bit better understanding. And, and 100% honestly, it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast is so I could tar- talk with smart people like yourselves to, to learn a little bit more. But what are, what are some of the essential, there are those essential amino acids that we need in our diet? And let's talk about the role of amino acids for a moment and why they're labeled as essential and what they, and what they are and why they're so important.
2: So very basically, the essential amino acids are called essential because that means our body needs, our our body can't make them unassisted. We need to get them from food. Um, You know, and all amino acids, they each have slightly different functions, but to break it down, they're essentially the building blocks of uh, so many different kinds of tissue. So um, in order to, you know, function optimally, we need to make sure that we're covering our bases. And there's, there are a lot that can be made that, uh, as by- byproducts of like different reactions happening in the body, but there are these essential amino acids that we do need to consume from food.
1: And, and, you know, it's funny because one of the first things I ever took as a 17-year-old kid many years ago was a bunch of my, a buddy of mine, you know, had these amino acids from GNC, of course, and we would always take them before, before weightlifting. And I don't really think they did anything except turn my pee a really dark and stinky yellow. Um, so looking at, your, looking at your website with True Nutrition, Doug, what, what are the, the essential amino acids that you guys offer and what role do they play in terms, in terms of supporting the body's response to exercise? Yeah, I mean we sell um, I mean, our main amino acids,
0: we sell each one individually, and um similar to what Jess was saying, they each kind of have their own function, but they all operate in unison. So, you know, our, our big ones are really our essential amino acids, which are our EAAs as well as our, our branch chain amino acids or BCAAs. Um, I think BCAs are losing a little bit of um steam the last couple of years. Um, a few studies recently have shown that you know, leucine is a big mTOR signaler, um, which is absolutely essential. But if it's signaled too much or too long, it can also be a cancer promoter. So um, what they're showing is that BCAs that are an absent of all the other essential amino acids, that leucine can trigger an mTOR response at, at a longer unnatural approach than usual. So in a weird way, BCAs are still popular But I think people are kind of learning as things go along that when you really extract things out of food, um, every action has a reaction. Um, And when you try to manipulate one thing, maybe something uh, adverse can happen from it. So yeah, I would say EAAs at this moment are are, are massive. You know, REAs are a little bit different. Um, It sounds kind of gross, but most essential amino acids that we're actually any amino acid that that's in an L form. That's a free form version. It's not bonded to another amino acid. We're derived from keratin. Um, this keratin was usually uh, gained from duck feathers, skin of animals, um, even in some cases, human hair. I'm not kidding. Um, but now um, we use a more expensive version. that's actually derived from corn. It's a fermented um, amino acid. So it tastes a little bit different. Um, But definitely, it has less of the uh, gross factor to it. And they're actually a little bit more bioavailable. But EAAs, um, I think, like you were saying, you're like, I was taking it. I don't know if I got anything from it. And that's the reality is that if your diet isn't completely dialed in, there's no reason. You can't
1: can't out-supplement a bad diet. Well, that brings me that to the question, Jess, you, you said you went through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and I reviewed them years and years ago. I was the director of education for the Sports Club LA, which owned the Reebok Club on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And we were looking at one point doing a, a program with the, with the Institute. Can you talk a little bit about what that approach is? And, and, and then, I'm gonna, then I'll ask both of you, how can somebody really dial in? Because as you've both mentioned, nutrition is so individual that the three of us could have the same diet and get very different outcomes. And so nutrition is one of those things that I've, I've really learned to understand that is very much an individual thing. So just talk a little bit about what the, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition is and what that means in terms of being able to identify somebody's specific needs.
2: Yeah. You know, it's um, what I really did appreciate about the program. Now I had been an RD for about five years when I, when I did my health coaching training with IIN and it was, it was all online at the point that I did it. But what I did really appreciate about the approach is that it focuses on what they call bio-individuality, you know, meaning that, you know, we are all individuals with individual needs and taking a holistic approach to meet those needs. So, you know, some of that is, Related to physical wellness, some of that's related to mental wellness, emotional wellness, spiritual wellness. You know, it's a it's a big picture. With um, you know, and the different pieces of the pie are going to be distributed differently for each person. From a nutrition standpoint, you know that program focused. You know, there's a little bit of an introduction on the science of nutrition to you know be able to help you explain it to someone else. But they also went through all of the different therapeutic diets. And some of these were more therapeutic than others. Some were more, you might call them trend diets. But I appreciated being able to understand the rationale behind all these different dietary approaches. Because, you know, my training, super clinical, was more about disease management, more, you know, medical nutrition therapy. So being able to learn about some of these other other approaches you know that was really helpful too too because that's what people are seeing in the media and what they're hearing from their colleagues and their friends that they're curious about and i i liked that with iin they really focus on individualizing nutrition and really you know maybe some maybe one person does great on a vegan diet but maybe you know their friend thrives on a more paleo style approach you know, i'm not a big fan of labels for For our eating habits, I think that, you know, somebody might favor a diet that is, you know, maybe on paper, it looks mostly paleo, but they really, you know, feel good if they eat yogurt, you know, it's, I don't think it has to be labeled, but what I did um, find very useful about IAM's nutrition approach was the individualized nature of it.
1: And and that comes back to, and then, then I'll come to you, Doug, but that comes back. I started asking this question earlier about some of the dietary trends like paleo, like keto like intermittent fasting, what do you, and I like the fact that you say that you don't like labels, but what are some of your thoughts with your clinical training? What are some of your reactions about some of the, the current dietary trends out there? And I, I say this because one of the things that I always roll my eyes at is when I talk to somebody at the gym or I'm consulting somebody they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be vegan now, or I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And I just kind of roll my eyes and go, why would you limit yourself by only following one specific dogma. Why not try to pick and choose what works for you? So if you could share with your clinical expertise just kind of some of your thoughts on on these approaches toward these dietary approaches.
2: Well, I do think that people like extremes and they like being told what to do because that means they don't have to think about it, you know? I think for a lot of people there is some comfort in structure. But I, you know, one thing it's interesting so, for the ketogenic diet, for example, you know, I worked in neurology for a while um that was probably where I spent most of motor neuron diseases like that was what originally actually got me interested in brain function and how our nutrition impacts our mood as well as and our cognitive function. but you know in that setting, I remember um you know a few years, uh, maybe this is going back like five years, they were starting to look more at the ketogenic diet as part of the approach to managing ALS. And at first I was like, ah, keto, like that was, you know, my, my training had been, you know, oh, that's like for epilepsy. That's for drug resistant epilepsy in babies, like, <laughs> or, you know, for kids. But I will say that, um, as ketos become more mainstream and adopted as, you know, a hashtag diet, um, I roll my eyes at that all the time because, again, like, I think that that's just people jumping on a bandwagon. But what I appreciate about some of these – we'll call them fad diets or trending diets, you know, keto, um, paleo, you know, they all – they invite discussion about nutrition. And, yes, that opens the doors for lots of BS to enter the conversation. So – but, for example, like – I appreciated that paleo it made people more interested in cooking or in eating minimally processed foods. Um, I appreciated that keto made fat socially acceptable again finally um, you know but for but that said, like I think that with any of these diets there's you know there's degrees of it you know someone doesn 't have to be strict keto where they 're eating. Only 10% carbs and like 70% fat, you know, but maybe they do find that in exploring a higher fat diet, that they notice like, hey, like I have better, like my mood feels better when I'm eating more fat and less carbs because I'm not having these energy crashes and mood swings. Or maybe when someone tries a paleo diet, they notice like, hey, like I feel better without eating a lot of sugar or a lot of grains, you know, that feels good to me. And, you know, when you approach it from a place of curiosity, As opposed to, well, I'm going to follow this diet. Um, I think that you can open the door for really important self-discovery and for building new habits that will support you for the long term. But you went, you asked about intermittent fasting, and that's fascinating to me because it's both. There's also this behavioral component um, that I think we do need to take into account as well. Um, and, And I think with IF, you know, we see a lot in research. You know, in these controlled research studies, um, which is, you know, we don't have a lot of data yet on intermittent fasting for women, especially of reproductive age. And we were talking about hormones earlier and there's all these hormonal shifts that happen throughout the month that, you know, we need to really, I think, learn a little bit more about how intermittent fasting, you know, how that hormone fluctuation has to come into play if somebody wants to approach, um, and incorporate intermittent fasting into their routine. And, um, you know, I think I think we'll continue to learn more about it, but that's one that you know, if somebody says they want to try it, you know, my first question is, okay, so tell me a little bit about what what appeals to you, like what are you hoping to get from it? And I think that for any diet someone's considering, I think exploring your motivation behind wanting to try that diet, I think that's a really important step.
1: What I found, I like. I I was kind of skeptical about intermittent fasting until my primary care physician really, he's a, he's a big supporter of it. And so we've had a couple good discussions about it and I've been doing some reading on it. And, and I I do try to follow some sort of IF schedule on, on a, a regular, regular basis, about five, you know, five, six days a week and giving myself one or two days of a normal eating schedule. And one of the things I've found I like, I like about it is just being, not having to worry about food <laughs> every few hours, you know, is being conditioned to, being able to go for a period of time and say, okay, I can get, I can focus on work. I can focus on this without having to take a break for it. But that's just, again, to your point, to each of your points, that is, that's a completely personal thing that I've just adjusted to. And, and now, Doug, I want to ask you this question because I really, am, I'm fascinated by why you started Paleo Pro, the, the yep. nutrition supplement company. What was it that you saw that, and what, what kind of need were you trying to fill with that product line? Um, well, first, I'd like to basically state, um,
0: I, uh, interesting enough, I have a company called Paleo Pro, and I absolutely loathe the concept of a paleo diet,
2: <laughs>
0: which sounds funny because nutritional dogma is a very, very um, slippery slope and a catch twenty-two. You know how I view it is, you know, people are like, "Well, why do you think the paleo diet is it a fad?" And I'm like, "Listen." If eating healthy animals and healthy plants is a fad, we're screwed as a society. If you want to get like if you want to get dogmatic where you can't eat beans and you can't eat milk, like okay, whatever. I mean, I'm in the same reference point of like when you start following rules, you're not following yourself rules, but you're following someone else's rules. It's just dumb you got to figure out what works for you best. And, you know, all these fat diets that are kind of coming and going, they've never, they've always been around. They're just kind of resurfacing as something different. How I look at them, why I think they're very powerful is it allows people like for us, we may understand the difference between a protein, carbon, fat. Majority of people don't, they don't even understand that. And for me, I'm, I've been so like, In it for so many years. I'm like, how do you not understand that? That's like not understanding how to breathe. So I do also understand that like if a fad diet brings somebody in to going, Hey, I want to not eat Doritos and McDonald's every day, then go vegan, go paleo, go keto, do whatever you got to do, but make sure you keep open and learning and understanding like what you're doing. But, you know, dealing with a paleo diet, um, And why I started the company was, you know, years ago, um, there was a milk shortage, um, and the price of whey protein, which is our biggest seller, um, went through the roof and we had to find alternatives. We were actually the first company to bring pea protein isolate to the market. Um, it exploded and now the vegan diet is super huge. Unfortunately, I think the reason why the vegan diet is exploding is because it's really cheap to manufacture and Mm -hmm. product lines are really expensive, so um, that's an unfortunate this I see in business for myself is that, um, I see why certain things start picking up energy and why larger conglomerates of companies that are out to make money are getting involved in it. Cause there's a lot of money to be made. So, you know, dealing with a paleo diet again, I know you could, you could read Lauren Cordain or, you know, Rob Wolf, and you could see all the rules that they're kind of conveying, but how I look at it, it's happy plants and happy animals, and again, if that's a fad, we, we got some problems. So for me, I was in an accident um, about seven or eight years ago in Kyrgyzstan. I was ski touring and I got into a bad car accident, had to be medevac to Dubai. I broke my back and broke my body. And um, I've always been super active. And I came back and I recovered very quickly, but I kept having like, Really, uh, these really interesting times when I would eat certain food foods, and I would get like an inflammatory reaction to it, and I didn't get it, and I didn't understand it. And then one time I was in France, and I ate a three feet of baguette because that's what you do in France, and I literally couldn't walk. Like my spine became so inflamed around my injury that it just kind of hit me. I was like, wait a second. Maybe it's the food, which seems so painfully obvious right now, that's affecting me. And, you know, I went back to reading. I've tried so many diets over the years. And I went back to the paleo diet, which is, I guess, historically a low inflammatory diet. And it really helped me. And it kind of changed me to being able to not be in pain all the time and and to be physically active. So um, we had some science with uh, some protein powders that were, you know, we came up with this beef protein isolate years earlier because of this milk shortage and um, we felt it was like a fit. So that's kind of how it started. And again, (laughs) I kind of hate the name paleo, um, but it is what it is. And people want to attach to things and people want to be a part of a club. But I always am super promoting the fact that follow whatever you want to do, whatever feels right, but do it in the sense of learning. You're always going to need to learn like if the paleo diet says you're not supposed to eat dairy and you eat dairy and it makes you feel better then eat dairy like you're not breaking the rules. They're your rules.
1: Well, I like that a lot. And I think I think a lot of people can have that experience or can relate to that of where they've they've noticed that say they follow a paleo diet for a while. And then they start, for whatever reason, life gets busy. They're, they're trying to teach their kids homeschool again or or whatever. They get other stressors thrown in their life. And all of a sudden, they notice they start eating a little bit more uh, processed carbohydrates again. Uh, that's me right now. Um, <laughs> you start noticing, oh, man, I feel, I feel like crap because I, I got away from – I'd been in a phase, and I think other people are like that. You get in a phase where you start eating really well, and then all of a sudden you start kind of sliding back into a – a less well or a less thoughtful nutrition you know, practice. And you really do notice the difference. I, I just really think that's one of those things about if anybody out there is listening, you go, oh man, I've been feeling sluggish. I've been feeling whatever. I'd really invite you to sit down and take a look at what your nutrition habits are and trying to go through some of this to identify, to identify maybe where you could get a little bit better. So as we wrap up, Jess, I want to ask you about your book. You have a book about and I'm, I don't have it right in front of me. Let me pick, pick this back up and look, pick up my notes again. I'm standing in my closet. So if I put things down, I put them down on the floor. I got to pick it back up. Uh, your book is about habits. What is so? It's a little book of game changers. What's so important about habits when it comes to nutrition? I think that's relatively self-explanatory. But in your practice as an RDN, what have you noticed about having to set healthy, nutritious habits that can, be, that can make a big difference in somebody's outlook on their nutrition?
2: There is tremendous power in small changes, and through my work, what I found pretty pretty across the board was that, you know, it wasn't so much, and it's not so much a lack of knowledge about what is and is not generally healthy, but what people really struggle with is staying consistent with healthy habits when life gets real, especially if we're dealing with stress, anxiety, things that tend to throw us off our game, so to speak, and you know when you have nutrition habits that fit easily into your everyday life it is much easier to stay on track with them than if you're trying to do things that you know are feel difficult to make a regular part of your day or feel like a struggle so i i have found over the years that starting with small habits is essential to laying a strong foundation that you can build from you know there's no reason you have to make a huge change all in one go you know you're allowed to start small and build from there
1: and what's like one habit so somebody listening today what could be one healthier habit they might they could start working on and and be able to build off of as an a well what's one healthier habit they could establish as a foundation and be able to build up from
2: a food habit
1: yeah. I guess I should be specific. You yeah, a nutrition habit.
2: You know, I would say going back to earlier in our conversation, you know, make it about blood sugar, make sure that your meals are providing a combination of protein, fat, and fiber so that you are feeling more stable in your energy and your mood throughout the day. And it's also going to help you feel more satisfied. So you're not dealing with unpredictable hunger pangs, um, all throughout.
1: I like that. And where can people pick up your book?
2: Uh, you can find a little book of Game Changers on Amazon, Target, um, Barnes & Noble, my website, pretty much anywhere you can buy books.
1: All right. I'll have a link to that down below in the show notes. So I appreciate your time, Jess. And then, Doug, you, you say you men- you got into to doing nutrition supplements because of the, the quality out there. What would you want people to know about what's available at True Nutrition and, and Paleo Pro that kind of sets you apart from, from the others in, in your space? Probably two main things um, well three the, the the first one is
0: basically the owners of these companies are customer one and two um, so we're not we're in it for ourselves first as in proper nutrition um, the second part is and this is to go for any dietary supplement or health food or any product out there um, make sure that it's third party tested and even though they say it might be third party tested the key with us is that we're actually, um, we have our own lab internally as well. So we actually. You broke be up sh- on the, 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 oh, sorry. I was saying, um, from the testing component, making sure that, you know, when, um, you're buying something, make sure that it is third-party tested. And I was just referring to, you know, we third-party test and we also first-party test because we have our own internal, um, uh, laboratory as well you know where we're tested for potency and identity and um, making sure it's safe so that key is is super crucial and make sure too um if you're taking something and it doesn't feel right and the company doesn't seem like have a good basis to it don't consume it when you buy something at costco because you're saving an extra three dollars on it there's a reason why you're saving an extra three dollars on it and how <laughs> i look at it you know nutrition everybody's like wow well, i don't should i buy organic or not And i'm kind of like Well, you can pay for it now, or you could pay times a hundred, you know, 20 years from now. So it's really about your health. You know, it's, it's important.
1: Well, excellent. And I'm going to have, I'm gonna have links to websites down below. So Doug, I really appreciate your time today. And Jess, likewise, I really appreciate being able to have, because I always like to learn a little bit about nutrition. I know I have my approach. I know what works for me or I try to get better at. And so what I always like to do is, is have these discussions and try to open up people's eyes or just. As, as you both mentioned, just understanding a little bit more about what goes into our body and how that makes us feel and how that makes us act and behave. So I really want to uh, say a big thanks to both of you for your time and for the opportunity to have this conversation.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us as well. Well, that was a fun and productive interview. And like I said at the beginning, I don't want to just have somebody on to promote their product or to promote, promote their what, the, what they want to sell uh, unless I can talk to you about the validity of it. And so what, what I wanted to have Jess do, which was perfect, was talk about the role that supplements play in a diet. Because supplements can be great, but nothing beats a well-balanced diet. And we need all nutrients, right? We need carbohydrate, we need protein, we need fats. Now, here's a little thing that, that I've been reading, I've been studying. I've been working on my new book, Ageless Intensity, The Benefits of High-Intensity Exercise or How, how High-Intensity Exercise slows Down the Aging Process. As we get older, high-intensity exercise is critical because it supports carbohydrate metabolism. So as you get into your 60s and 70s, keep in mind, traditionally, people in their 60s and 70s, if they exercise, they walk or they do aerobic exercise. Well, aerobic exercise uses your type 1 muscle fibers. Nothing wrong with that, but type 1 muscle fibers metabolize fat with oxygen for energy. In order to become efficient at carbohydrate metabolism, you need to do the higher intensity exercise, strength training, HIIT training. Be able to challenge the body, engage the type 2 muscle fibers because the type 2 muscle fibers and the type 2 muscle cells have different enzymes than type 1. Type 2 muscle fibers and muscle cells are what metabolize carbohydrate into ATP, the fuel that uses the muscles. That's why it's important to have all nutrients, all macronutrients, carbohydrate, fat, and protein within the diet. And here's the thing, if you try to cut back on carbohydrate and try to keep exercising in high intensity, instead of burning fat, your body was probably going to burn protein. Have you ever noticed that if you had a really hard workout, your clothes might smell like ammonia or your, your your sweat might smell like ammonia, or if you leave that shirt in the car for an extra day or two, you, know, you leave it in your bag. I do that all the time. Sometimes I don't throw my shirts in the laundry right away. I maybe leave them in a plastic bag for a day or two. I pull them out. If they smell like ammonia, that's because you've been burning nitrogen, and nitrogen is a component of amino acids. Nitrogen is also a component of ammonia. If your clothes smell like ammonia after you've been sweating really hard, then you're probably burning protein and not fat or carbohydrate. Anyway, that's why it's important to have a well-balanced diet of all macronutrients. That's why if I'm going to have somebody on to talk about a supplement company, I want to have an RD on, on as well to talk about the role that supplements play. Hopefully, you got a lot of information out of this. Because you know what? I haven't used, I haven't used the True Nutrition or Paleo Pro supplements yet. I am going to be reaching out to Doug and trying to, get, uh, trying to get some True Nutrition products out of him because I want to be able to give you a rating, what I like about them, and, and give you some feedback on them. I haven't done that yet, but I will be doing that. Hey, if you want any information, if you want to know how to stay in shape and design your own exercise programs, look down below in the show notes. I have a couple great programs down there. I did an awesome workout program with my friend Abby Apple called Glute Reboot. We have a whole video for sale. We have the ebook that goes along with it, Dynamic Anatomy that teaches you how your muscles work. Abby and I also did a core training workout program. I'm going to have that up soon here. And that you can download and learn more about training your core. If you also want to get more information about workout programs, things I'm doing, go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. You sign up for my mailing list, I'm going to send you a chapter from my book, Smarter Workouts, and send you a bodyweight workout that you can use any way to take your body. As always, thanks for stopping by. I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.